Ladies, I am so excited, and they told me there was a flashing screen to stay in the light, but I am so excited for the word this morning. I'm so excited even coming out of worship. Gosh, God deserves so much praise. So I want to give him one more shout before we sit down. That, yeah. I'm standing over there, and I go, gosh, looked at my dad, and I was like, there is something. God wants to do something, and I cannot hardly stand here. I feel like we need to all run around to just get some energy out, but I am so excited. Are we expecting this morning? Are we expecting God to move? Are we expecting him to move on behalf? Because I refuse, as I was praying over there, I say, God, I refuse to leave the same way that I came. I refuse to leave without grabbing hold of not just some of what you have for me, not just a good idea, not just some time in worship, but I refuse to leave without everything that you have for me. And I loved in the song that we just sang when it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that Every time that those angels circle the throne of heaven, that it says that they fall on their knees and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Not because it's a cute line, not because it's a scripture that they wanted to quote, but because they get a new revelation of Christ that literally brings them to the place of going, oh my God, holy, holy, holy are you Lord. And that's my prayer for, our, for Conquer Ladies Conference. That's my prayer for each and every one of us this morning that we can't help but say, God, holy, 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 encounter Jesus this morning. I'm just going to wear the cute clothes on the stage. He gets the minister. And so grab hold of everything that he has. So you ladies, you can grab, go ahead and grab a seat and we'll get right into the word. And uh, we were shopping this week because I always have to get my new Conquer outfit. And I actually didn't pick this out. And I know you think maybe my mom did. My dad picked this outfit out. Holy jeans and all. I was in the dressing room and he hands me these jeans. And I was like, Dad, did you look at these before you handed them to me? I mean, I would wear these. You would judge me for it. But uh, so my dad, I'm very proud to say, picked my cute holy jeans out. <laughs> so take courage is our theme this year. Take courage. And I was thinking about that, and I was praying about that. I said, God, what does that even mean? To take courage. When do we take courage? How do we take courage? So I want to open with a scripture. I want to open with John 16, But I want to read it in the Amplified. And it says, I have told you these things, that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Anybody have some of those? Maybe I should read it again, because sometimes we really don't take in what we're reading. So it says, in the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Any of that going on this week? Any of that going on before we got here? Maybe any of that going on right now? There's some frustration. There's some distress. But then the next part, and I love this in the Amplified, it says, but be of good cheer. And what that means is take courage. Be confident certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you when I have conquered it for you. Can we let that soak in for a minute? Let it soak in for just a minute. I, I read this and read this and read this, and as of this morning, this was the only thing in my notes because I was like, I can just go on that all day long because there's so much power in this. This is, I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it before you. Have we, do we believe that? Do we live like that? Do we live, when we say take courage, is that when everything's going great? Yeah, I'll step out in faith when everything's working. I'll step out in faith when I'm perfectly fine and I don't need a healing in my body. I'll step out in faith when all the relationships in my life are going great. I'll step out in faith when everything looks great, Jesus. But what about in those times? And that's what, when I read this, 
And I, was, and I was just praying, and I said, God, what does it mean to take courage? What about those times when there is distress? What about those times when we're crying out for healing because we don't know what else to do? What about those times when we feel so betrayed and so hurt that we can't take another step forward, that we don't know if we can even make it to tomorrow, if we don't know if we can get out of bed today, that we can't wait to go to bed at night because at least we don't have to be around the world that we're living in? What about those moments? Can we take courage in those moments? How do we take courage in those moments? Because my Bible right here says that I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it for you, which means if I feel conquered by the world and I feel like it's harming me, I am not walking in the power that God has already established on the inside of me. I have not grabbed hell of what God has for me. I can read it and it's easy to quote scripture when everything's great, but do I live like it? Do I believe it? Do I go in the midst of whatever I'm walking through? I can grab hold of the courage. I can grab hold of that thing that God has already put on the inside of me. I was studying out in Isaiah this week, and it says that, that God calls us by name. Everybody has a name tag in this room. Jill made name tags for everybody that is in this room. God calls us by name. We're not just another human being. We're not just another glob on earth. God calls each and every one of us by name that there is something so special and unique about each and every one of us that our name is so important. But I was thinking about that. I said, God, what, what does that even mean? What, what about my name is different than anybody else's? Why do you call me by name? And so I went back and, and I went, okay, what's the first thing he started calling by name? And that was when he started creating the world. And in Genesis, in 1-3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, the thing about there being light is that Light is a name. And God said, let there be light. And light is a name. Here's what God didn't say, and this is what I want us to grab hold of by the end of today. God didn't say there needs to be protons, there needs to be neutrons, there needs to be electrons, there needs to be electricity, there needs to be a light bulb someday to hold the light. There needs to be, God didn't say all that. He said, let there be light. And when he said, let there be light, everything that would ever encompass life was spoken and set into motion in one word. We have light bulbs. We are still discovering light. God already spoken into motion. In one word, God spoke light into motion. In one word, when he said, let there be, fill in the blank with your name, it was already set in motion. Everything that you need for life and godliness, that you shall not lack or want for any good thing, that God has already set it into motion for your life. He works all things together for our good, that it is already spoken into motion on the inside of us. As we read about light, as we think about light, as we research light, we find more uses and more purposes that God had already set in motion for it. We didn't invent it. And so the same thing is true in our lives when it says right at the beginning of this verse, I have told you these things that in who? In me. In me. In me, you will have perfect peace and confidence. In me, you will have perfect peace and confidence. So as we study God, he reveals to us what he's already put on the inside of us. As we study light, we reveal, we see what God established for light to be and the fullness of what it established to be. And I don't know if we'll ever see all the things that he established it to be. And in my life, I go, man, I think that I've just scratched the surface of what God has in store for my life, of what God, and I don't want to stop. And so when take courage in me, in you, in your name has already been established everything that God could ever bring into motion for your life. It's already set into motion. We don't have to ask for it. All we have to do is surrender to him. So when take courage, and I'm gonna read this one more time, ladies. I want us to grab hold of it. I have told you these things that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. 
We serve a God that doesn't just want us to have peace. He wants us to have perfect peace. Not just peace, perfect peace, it says, and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Okay, we're going to face those things, right? God doesn't say that in me you'll have not a problem. He says, on the contrary, I mean, what good is a superhero? If there wasn't ever a problem, we wouldn't know that they existed. So if there wasn't a problem in life, what good is it to have Jesus? We don't need him. The purpose of Jesus, the purpose of having him is so that we can walk through a fallen world and be able to walk in power with what he's put on the inside of us so that God be glorified. That's why. So we're going to face things. There's going to be frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, and undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. So my mom was saying, all we have to do is say yes. In that song that Jill was singing, Take Courage, it says there's a yes in our hearts and it carries through, uh, through eternity with simple obedience. See, throughout the word of God, God never asks us to do hard things. God asks us to do uncommon things. God asks us to do the things that don't make sense. That's why it's hard for us to say yes. He doesn't ask us to do these crazy hard things that are impossible. He asks us to do uncommon things. Things that make, don't make sense in our mind that we can't wrap our head around. That's what God asks us to do. And in simple obedience, we don't know the power of our yes. We can never, it says that his thoughts are higher, that his ways are higher. We do not know the power of what our yes is going to do. It's not about us. We don't know the power of what our yes, our obedience, yes, there's favor and blessing that comes in our life because we're obedient to Christ. But what it's doing down the road, we may never see because we choose to be obedient And so take courage, not in the easy times, take courage in those hard times when it doesn't make sense. When, like my mom said last night, we don't have to understand it. We don't have to understand everything that's happening. We don't have to understand the frustration. All we have to do is say, I surrender. And yes, what do you want me to do? And yes, I take courage. In 1 John 4, 4, it says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we just read the scripture that says that in him there's perfect peace and there's confidence. But now this verse says that greater is he that is in me. Already on the inside of me is greater. So these are some questions I asked myself this morning as I was praying. Is there greater love in my heart than there is hate and evil and bitterness and gossip, and anything, any words and negativity that could come to my life? Is there more love already on the inside of me than there is any of that that could come my way? Is there more grace in my life that's already put on the inside of me than any mistake I could already make? Is there more grace on the inside of me for any person that could ever come in my life? Is that already on the inside of me? Is there already forgiving, overcoming power for anybody that could ever betray me or hurt me? It's already in there. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So of the world, there's bitterness. Of the world, there's unforgiveness. There's anger. There's depression. There's oppression. There's hurt. In the world, there's those things. But in me is something greater that God has already put that, yeah, I face these things just like everybody else. I see these things just like everybody else, but I have something on the inside of me that isn't like anybody else. And it will overcome and it will prevail because the word says it will. Because it was put there for the purpose of prevailing, but we don't know sometimes we don't know we have it. I don't live my life 
like I have more love than anything that can come against me. I don't live my life like I have more peace than any frustration that can come against me. Usually, it's more like, you know, the little, the little Facebook, I think it's like a little groundhog or a gopher or something, and it's sitting on the ground, and it's like, go on without me. That's how I usually live. And this frustration, I'm like, uh, peace left. It's out of reach. I'm not going to make it. Not the case. It's already on the inside of us. Because my name was already spoken into motion. My days have been numbered before me. Which means my God has already put on the inside of me more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough for anything that could come our way. So what keeps us from taking courage? What keeps us? I go, well, gosh, that's easy enough. Why not just do it? I was praying this morning, and I felt like God said fear is the opposite of courage. Fear will keep us, and not in a fear that we, I'm afraid of that, or I'm too afraid to step out, but this deep-rooted fear of, will I really believe that God can heal me? Will I really believe for that? I want to hope for it, and I want to say that I'm acting in faith, but will I really believe it, or is this underlying fear that maybe there's a false hope? Is there an underlying fear that maybe God won't come through? Is there an underlying fear of what if it doesn't work like I thought it would? Is there this underlying thing on the inside that says, what if? What if it doesn't work? Maybe it's just trusting God with an area of our lives. Trusting God to say, God, I surrender this area to you. We want to say it. We even say it in prayer. We write it in our journals. But is there this underlying fear that keeps us from crossing over? Fear is this line of crossing over, of saying, yes, I want to take courage. Yes, I want to surrender all areas of my life to God. Yes, I want to know what's on the inside of me to be able to face anything that could come in my way. But then there's this step. There's this line. And there's this underlying fear of what if. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't? Did that change God? Did that change God's word? But what if? God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And it says that his, his word is perfect and complete. And he will perfect that thing. And it will accomplish that thing in which he sent it to accomplish. His word does not return void. We talked about void last night. God's word cannot return void. When he spoke our name into motion, all he's waiting for us to do is surrender to him and see everything that's there. And so this underlying fear, what if I surrender my life to God? What's he going to take away? I wonder why are we always so afraid of what God's going to take away instead of being so excited for the thing he wants to add to our life? God knows me better than I know me. And I can live my life in fear going, what relationships are going to have to leave and what, what sacrifices am I going to make and how is this going to affect my image and how is this going to affect my family and how is this going to... Or... I can say, I cannot wait to step out into what God just asked me to do because what he's going to do in my life, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine the goodness that God has in store for me. It's too big for me to imagine. But it's one step over fear. One step of what if I forgive that person? Will I look weak? Will they think what they did is okay? My Bible didn't ask that question. My Bible said forgive. And so when it says forgive, what if? Where, there's that underlying fear. There's always this underlying fear of what, what if it doesn't work? What if, what's it gonna look like? How's it gonna affect me? What's it gonna look like to people? What's it gonna look like to that person? If I forgive and love them anyway, because I know now we're held accountable for what we know and we all know we have more love in our lives now than anything that can come against us. 
So I know that that love is already on the inside of me. I know that I have more grace than that person could ever do me wrong. That person could do me wrong every stinking day, and I have more grace on the inside of me than what they could do wrong. I have more peace in my life than frustration. We know that, but then there's this, there's this fear step. Well, I step, but what if? What if? See, we need to be more concerned about what God's gonna do on the other side than our what ifs of right now. Because our what ifs of right now will always keep us in right now or they're gonna make us look backwards. They're never gonna move us forward. We will only move forward when we look for the goodness of what God has in store. It's the only way to move forward. We will never move forward when we're, when we're looking at the what ifs. We'll never look forward. We'll never move forward when we're concerned about how is this gonna affect me right now. I don't care how it's gonna affect me right now. I wanna know what God's gonna do with it tomorrow. I want to know what God's going to do with it 10 generations from now. I want to know what God's going to do with it down the road. I don't, the what ifs of right now don't matter on the spectrum of eternity. Our job is the simple yes of obedience, but it's an uncommon obedience. Why would I have to forgive somebody that hates me so bad? Why would I have peace in a situation that's so crazy? Why would those things take place? But these underlying fears says that we have overcoming power, that perfect love casts out fear, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of sound mind. When the the word says to abide in me, it says abide in me and I will abide in you. That's what the word says. When we abide in him, it says to abide in three things. It says to abide in love, it says to abide in me, and it says to abide in my word. It's the only three things that we are supposed to abide to in the word of God. But the cool thing about that is that in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we agree that the Word is God. So when we're abiding the Word, are we abiding in God? And then we read the love chapter over in Corinthians, and it says that God is love. So if we're abiding in love, are we abiding in God? So our job is to abide in God. And it says that in Him there's peace. In Him there's confidence. In Him there's everything we need that we could ever face. But then there's this fear factor. And that's what we want to confront today. We don't want to just be excited about, yeah, we can take courage. Yeah, God already numbered my days. Those are good things to be excited about. But I want the chains of fear to be broken off today. I don't want us to leave, still leaving here with a, well, what Shelby said was really good and I really want to grab hold of it, but, but what if? We just talked about that. But we'll leave. And half of us are thinking that right now. But what if I really surrendered? What if I really grabbed hold of the fullness of what God has for me? What if I really used what God had already put on the inside of me? What's that going to do to my life? I don't want fear to be a barrier. I don't want fear to hold us back from the fullness of what God has for us. See, I, have a, I went to college for exercise science. I love seeing how the body works and how, how it functions. And I was a basketball coach. And one of the things, the biggest thing with athletes, is the battle of their mind. The biggest thing in doing anything is the battle of the mind because we will be working and working and working towards something, but there comes to a point where we say, I can't give anymore. I gave all, I can, I've done all I can do. I'm giving my all. I'm too tired to run another lap, coach. I'm too tired to scrimmage one more time. I'm too tired to play another quarter. But here's the tricky part about our minds. There's been plenty of research and tons of research done on different athletes. Olympic athletes, and they said the the athletes that make it, the athletes that are most successful are the ones that overcome the battle of their mind because what your mind tries to do is it puts your body in reserve so that it limits 
the potential that you really have. When you feel like, and this is a crazy statistic to me, when you feel like I have given everything I can give, I've run as far as I can go. If we look at it in a physical tense and then we'll, we'll switch it over to our spiritual lives. But I've done everything I can do. There's still 40% more reserve in your body that you haven't even tapped into yet. 40%. That is half. That is almost half of what you've given. 50% of you is left to use. Because we haven't even tapped into that. Because our mind tells us, nope, you're done. You're done. You're done. And as I was thinking about that, it popped in my head this morning as I was studying this because I went, oh my gosh, what's the biggest battle that we face today is in our mind. It says, do not be, and so then let's read this verse. So we put all these together. In the world, you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration, but be of good cheer. Okay, then over in Romans 1, 2, it says, do not be conformed to the, but be transformed by the renewing of your, interesting, the renewing of our mind. Do not be conformed to the world, and our mind is what's going to be that keeps us there, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I wonder, when I say, I've done my best with that person, I've done my best to forgive, I've done my best to live my life like I, I can in Christ, I've done my best to live my life in surrender, I've done my best to live my life in worship. Is there this fear factor that I just haven't stepped over and there's still 50% of reserve left that I can offer? Is there still a greater level that I can offer? Is there still a greater level that I can step into? Is there still a greater faith that I can grab hold of that says, I do receive my healing and I will not stop. I haven't believed to my limit. Is there a greater factor that says, I will not give up on my kids. I will not give up on that person. I will not give up on my marriage because there's still 50% left. When I think that I've given my all, I'm only just beginning. I'm only halfway there. And I want to see the fullness of what God has for me. And so that's the time where those athletes say, I will take courage. And they actually, they go farther and they go farther and they go farther. And they train their minds to respond to what they're going to do and what they're going to accomplish instead of surrendering to what their mind has to say. And in our lives, that's the exact thing that we have to do that we say, uh-uh, I'm not going to surrender to how I feel. I'm not going to surrender to how I think. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, I still have this much left to get. And I'm going to see the fullness of what God has. I'm not going to stop short. I will not conform to the world. I will not confront or conform to the, to the stress. I will not conform to the frustration. I will not conform to the bitterness, to the anger. I refuse because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so at this point, in these moments where we feel like we have nothing left to give, that's when we take courage. It's not getting there. That was easy. Anybody can do that. But when it gets hard, what do we have to offer that the rest of the world doesn't? That's my question. When we go through something, when our marriages are a wreck, when we don't have the healing, when we don't see the breakthrough, when we don't see the freedom, what do I have to offer that the rest of the world doesn't? Because my God says he's already put it on the inside of me and I have access to it. And when I don't access it, I'm just like everybody else. I am no more powerful than the person sitting next to me that doesn't even have the opportunity to know Jesus. We serve a God that created the universe with words. We serve a God that knows the stars by name. We serve a God that knows me by name and knows the number of hairs on my head, even though half of them are fake. He knows how many are on my head. That's the kind of God I serve. I can't fool him. I was like, watch this. Take him out and put him in every day just to see if he can keep count. He does. Okay, that's the kind of God we serve. We serve that God. 
And that God has put something on the inside of me. And I love to tell people that I serve that God until I'm going through something bad. And then I'm like, you're right, where's God? He left. You're right, I'm never gonna get my healing, but I serve a really good God. Praise Jesus. That's how we live. But in Take Courage, our prayer, and I know my mom's prayer, and coming into this conference and our staff's prayer and our worship team's prayer has not been that, yeah, let's let them hear something really good. Let's let them feel like a bold lady walking out of here. But it's at a new level that we say, no, I want all that God has for me. That I will walk out of here in boldness and I will walk out of here in power and I will walk out of here knowing what God has put on the inside of me is greater than anything that I could have faced in the world. That God has already overcome. The world is depleted of power of even affecting me. If we could grab hold of what's on the inside. But our mind wants to keep us limited. Our mind wants to keep us in a place of fear where we go, what if I step over? I wonder about the lady with the issue of blood when she was going to go out and see Jesus, when she knew she could even be stoned for showing her face in public. Do you think it took some courage? She could have sat there and said, what if I die? But I'm pretty sure there was a courage that rose up on the inside of her that said, what if? What if I get there and I get to see the fullness of what God has for me? I want to read one more scripture really quick. I want to read Romans 8, 18. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And they amplified it, it says, in us, through us, and to us. The sufferings of this present time, what I'm facing right now, those distractions, those frustrations, those hurts, those pains, those betrayals, those things that I'm facing right now, it says that they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory of what God's going to reveal. And I think that that's what that lady grabbed hold of when she said, I'm going to go touch Jesus. I'm going to make it to Jesus. I don't care what it costs me. I think she maybe grabbed hold and said, my mind will not keep me back. And I'm going to go and I'm going to reach Jesus. And I'm going to grab hold of what Jesus has for me. And I'm not going to let go because the glory of what I will encounter with one touch of Jesus is better than anything I can encounter here and is greater than anything I can feel here. The pain that I'm feeling right now is nothing. It can't even be compared to what Jesus can do for me if I would just let go and grab hold of his fullness. That's what that lady was feeling. I think it probably took boldness. I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are getting thrown in a fiery furnace. And we love these little stories. They're really cute to tell the kids because they're like, they were going to throw them in the fire? And it's so much fun to tell them. But I like being in the story. What would I have done? Would I have had enough trust in my God to step into that furnace? Would I have had that much trust? Because I think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had something in them that said, "Uh uh-uh, greater is he. What he's put on the inside of me, the courage, the boldness, and the trust, and the peace that he's put on the inside of me is greater than anything I can face in this fire. They knew that. And when they stepped in, there was that fourth man that Jesus joined them. There was that fourth man that said, hey, I'm here. 
There was that fourth man that, that the glory that was revealed to them. I guarantee every bit of fear, every bit of frustration that they were facing before that they went into that furnace, every bit of the trials of, of the king being after him and the trials of people being on their case and, and the treatment that they had for doing the right thing, all that was probably pretty frustrating because we all know what that feels like. Yeah, I'm trying to do the right thing and it's coming at me from every side. And I feel that. That's what they were feeling. But then when they stepped in that fire, I guarantee the second that they saw Jesus standing in their fire, they were like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even compare to what I'm feeling right now. And it says when they came out, they didn't even smell like the smoke. They didn't even smell like the smoke from being in that fire. That's how I want to face the trials and tribulations in this life. I want to grab hold of what God's put on the inside of me and go, this won't even compare. I'm going to trust and I'm going to say yes. I'm going to trust and I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to step over fear and I'm going to grab hold of what God has for me because the glory on the other side of this, this isn't even worthy to be compared to what God has in store. Not even worthy to be compared. Ladies, what God has in store for us is so much greater than we can ask or imagine. Our, in our biggest dreams, we can't imagine the fullness of what God has and, and how it's going to play out in eternity and what a simple yes will do. It's so much bigger than little offenses between each other. It's so much bigger than getting upset about the, the gossip and getting so upset the betrayals hurt. I know that. The unforgiveness hurts. I know that. People talking about you. I know that. I know it's hard in marriage. I know it's hard when we lose people. But I also know the glory of God. And I also know what God has for us on the other side. And I know in Psalms when it says, geez, I don't cry. I know in Psalms when it says that I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that's the scripture I want us to grab hold of, that I would have lost heart. That I know we face things and I know we face hurt. And it's real. Every one of us in here can say, I faced that. I've been there and it hurts. Maybe I'm going through it and it hurts. Maybe I'm not seeing God work like I think I should see him work right now. Maybe I'm at that point where I'm like that little gopher where I'm going, go on without me because I have nothing left to give. And what I know is we have everything left to give. We have everything. We have 50% of us that we haven't even stepped in. But here's the cool part is it says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when I say, God, I'm given everything I know to give and I don't know what to do anymore, that's when he takes over and he goes, just say yes. He says, don't say what if. He says, say yes. Don't say what if. Say yes.